Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Good morning, everybody. Okay, I tried that this morning, so I'm going to try it again. Good morning, everybody. I hope you are not tired. Are you all tired? Yes, I know. Thank you for being honest. I feel much better now because uh, this morning for the first service, I was really feeling tired because I didn't sleep very well. Not because I was stressing over the message, but I was thinking a lot about uh, something that uh, happened in the office. And so somehow my mind became very active and... I became very tired, but I was telling everybody this morning that I felt refreshed the minute I came to church because I had Jamie who welcomed me, you know, and she took care of everything. She was really like my PA, you know, so-called, you know, and she prayed the first prayer for me. And then subsequently, I was soaked in prayer. Um, I was praying on my own, and then when I opened my eyes, uh, Pastor Ivan was beside me, and he prayed for me, and then Pastor Sharon prayed for me, Pastor Kai prayed for me, and then just now, Elder Tony prayed for me. So I'm really drowning in prayer, but I felt so refreshed after the prayer and after the welcome. So I hope even though we can be physically tired this morning, as you participate in the worship, as you sing those songs, as you see the children, I was really enjoying watching the children sing, even though at some point they were a bit out of sync, but that's the innocence of children, right? It's just authentic. So I hope that you, know, you feel more refreshed. This morning, we're going to talk about a sensitive topic, a topic that I deal with every day, and it's a topic on money. It's a sensitive topic because the Chinese says that 讲钱伤感情, right? which means that when you talk about money, sometimes you can hurt feelings, you can hurt relationship. But it is an important topic to deal with for many of us. And so before I go into the sermon proper, I want to ask all of us, three questions, a bit of participation, okay? And you have to honestly answer me, okay? Be honest about it, because God sees. Okay, so the first question I'm going to ask all of us, you'll be on screen anyway, but let me read out from my notes. First question, how many of us here, we need and want to earn a higher income? Put up your hands if you feel that you need or want to earn a higher income. Put up your hands. Okay, I was... Asking people this morning to look around. All those of you who you didn't put out your hands, don't lie. <laughs> don't tell me you don't want to earn more income. Don't tell me when you go to your employers, you say, it's okay, I can work for free. You don't have to give me a pay increment. Okay, now, if you don't have a chance to be honest, I'm going to ask you the second question. Okay, the second question is, how many of us at the end of the year, we want or need a huge performance bonus? Put out your hands. Okay, now we see more honesty. Okay, you realize better be honest. You can put your hands even if you are a homemaker. Okay, because you are saying, I want my spouse to have a higher performance bonus. You can put your hands even if you are a church worker because I want Pastor Tony to pay me a higher bonus. <laughs> the third question, if you haven't got a chance to answer the first two correctly, the third question is, how many of you feel like you want to grow or need your wealth? Put out your hands. Very few who are not interested to grow your wealth. Now, 
I think we are just being authentic because, I mean, we can't bluff ourselves, especially for those of us who go to work. We all hope that we can earn a higher income and be paid a higher bonus, and we hope to manage our wealth and plan for certain life events like sending our kids to school, buying a house, and retiring. When one day when we don't have work anymore, but we still need to spend money, we need money, right? But what does the Bible say about money? So I'm going to read for us, or rather I'm going to ask all of us to read from Scripture from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 to 10. Shall we read this together and hear what the Bible say about money? Reading from verse 6, but godliness with... Con- Let's do that together, okay? One, two, three. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people to ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So this is what the Bible said about money. And so for those of us whom you did put out your hands, you are in trouble. And I'm in trouble twice because not only I want to earn a higher income and I hope that my board will give me a bonus, a good bonus at the end of the year, I deal with money every day. It's my job. I help my clients invest their money and hopefully grow it. So I'm damned twice. <laughs> and therefore, I think it's important to talk about this topic because I don't know about you, sometimes when I sit at the pews and I listen to the preaching go on, I can't reconcile. It's like, you know, be contented. Don't strive. But the minute I get out there in a marketplace, I find myself striving. I just want to earn more. I hope to have more. And I, like I say, I do that on a daily basis. So I think it's very important to deal with this so that we can live a very integrated Christian life. Not in church, believing in something, and the minute we walk out of church, we don't practice it. Then our lives is in a dichotomy. We're not integrated. And we need to be true to how we feel. We can't hide it. So let's see what the Bible talks about from the scripture from 1 Timothy and what is Paul trying to tell us. So this morning's message, we have two points, two simple points, or rather this is a really simple message with just two points. The first point is on the pursuit of money and the second point is on the pursuit of contentment. So let's go on to the first point, which is the pursuit of money, which is really from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 to 10. So if you look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 to 10, and for that matter, if you search the Bible, if you Google, you will realize that there is no part in the Bible that says that it's a sin to want to be financially better. I don't think we have a God that don't want us to be better. And I don't think it's a sin that we want to be financially better off. And for some of us, it is not even a matter of being financially or wanting to be financially better off. 
Well, we're living in tough times. Over the last 18 months, we know that the financial markets, they are tough. The world is going through an inflationary period. Some of us here, we might even lost our jobs. So it's not a matter of wanting more. I don't even have an income. You know, and I cannot meet my expenses. And some of us might have unexpected expenses like a medical crisis. So, you know, God, it's not, not that I want more. I don't even have enough right now. And I don't think that it is wrong to say, I, I just want to be financially better off. But I think what Paul is warning us here from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 to 10, is that when we desire to be rich, we run the risk of falling into a temptation, into a snare, into a trap, into many senseless and harmful desires. Because if we are so gripped by wanting to have more money, then we run the risk of falling into all these traps and ultimately plunging us into ruin and destruction. Because Paul says here that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. How is it that the love of money can be a root of all kinds of evil? I mean, we know this verse pretty well. Well, it is when we love money so much that money occupies the number one position in our minds, in our lives, in our thoughts, and it replaces God. And when that happens, money becomes the root of all kinds of evil. And I thought that I just want to show us some examples of how that looks like when money becomes first in our lives and money replaces God. So, one example would be that money becomes the source of our security. And that means we might have a mental script like this. And we, we check ourselves whether we have a mental script like this. And the mental script is, if only I have more money, I can do this. If only I have more money, I can do that. That's the mental script. So money becomes the source of our security, not God. Another example would be money becomes the source of power. So our mental script might look something like this. I need to have more money so that people will listen to me. Or I have more money, you must listen to me. Or we give preference to other people and we say, this guy is wealthy and rich, he must be right, I need to listen to him. Then money becomes that source of power. No longer God is the source of power. A third example would be money becomes the main factor for all our decisions. So the mental script will look something like this. So this pays more. So I'm going to go to that place to work. Money is better there. I'm going to move there. So money becomes the main factor for all our decision making. God is not in the picture. A fourth example of how money replaced God looked like would be money becomes the main motivation of everything. And all the time we're asking ourselves, where can I make more money? And last and definitely not least, money becomes the dominant thought. And what that means is day in, day out, money occupies our minds. So in my industry, there are actually many community groups where people come together and they talk about money. And some of us, we may even be in that community. Right? So out of curiosity, I've joined a few communities. I don't have time to look into uh, whether Facebook or Telegram or you know, the Discord group you know, and all that. I don't have time. But I, I joined some of this group just to see what people are talking about. 
about. And I'm always so amazed that the conversation can start as early as like 5 a.m., 6 a.m., and people are already talking about how to make more money. I'm not kidding you. There are a lot of suggestions and ideas on how we manage our money. And I'm always amazed like at 5 a.m., 6 a.m., maybe that's the devotion, the money devotion. And we talk about money all the time. And the conversation goes on throughout, endless. And if that was a busy day and I have no time to actually look at the chats and all that, it can be a few thousand messages. There's no way for me to be able to catch up with those messages. That's how money becomes the dominant thought can look like. We have no more time for God. We have no more time for everything. Day in, day out, we are just filled with the images of money. And that's how money replaces God, or money can replace God. And that's how I think what Paul meant when he says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And that is why in verse 10, Paul then says that it is through this craving for more money that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. So while it is not a sin to want to be financially better, I think we need to heed Paul's warning that we can fall into traps, fall into temptations, and then God is out of picture, and then that's it, we backslide. So instead of just pursuing money, I think it is important to also pursue contentment, and that's found in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 6 to 8, the pursuit of contentment. So, let me read this scripture verse for uh, all of us. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 to 8. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with this we will be content. Contentment. So what is contentment? Now, contentment is when you no longer desire or crave anything you don't already have. However, it is not a passive acceptance of your situation. Contentment is not what we say in our Hokkien, Bopien, no choice. That's not contentment. Contentment is not, if you're a student, you know actually that you can do better, you can get 80 marks, and you are getting 60, and when your parents ask you, how come you got 60 and not 80? And your reply is, ma, contentment. <laughs> the Bible says contentment. Contented, yeah, I contented already. You know, it's fine. That's not contentment. And many times we hear ourselves or even people around us say that. And we know that actually we are not or they are not contented. We struggle inside us. We are just saying, be contented because we just want to comfort ourselves. It is like, okay, 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 just be contented. But actually, we are not. So it is not a passive acceptance of your situation, but an active pursuit of what is important for you. It is a conscious choice to enjoy, appreciate, and accept what you have while giving up the cravings of things that you don't have because you know that you cannot have everything in your life. And therefore, it is important to know what is important and therefore it is important for us to think and reflect what is important in our lives besides and beyond money 
And I think that's what Paul meant when he talked about contentment. I don't think when Paul mentioned this like, but if we have food and clothing with this, we will be content. At least in today's context, that cannot be true. I mean, if you have got food and you have clothing, are you saying I don't need anything else? Can't be. We need a place to stay, right? So we still need our HDB flat. I think what Paul really meant, at least back in those days, I mean, he was a tent maker. I think what he really meant is that when we have enough to meet our basic needs, we can be contented. We have food on our table, we have a decent income, we have a shelter over our head, we have clothing to wear, we meet our needs, our families can have enough, we can be contented. I think that's what Paul is saying. But of course, the difficult question here, and there's no way we can answer this question in these 30 minutes. Even if I think if we take an hour or two hours, it'd be difficult to answer this question on what is enough. Because for some of us, we say, Lord, when I get my good class bungalow and my $10 million in the bank account and I have got a private jet, Lord, that's enough. I do not know what's enough for you. But that decision of what is enough for you, I think we have to do it in the context of the first point that we talk about, which is we need to heed Paul's warning that if we keep on striving and we never have enough, that's when Paul says that we will fall into temptation. That's what Paul is saying. Contentment is not about inaction. I don't think Paul is also saying that once you have your basic necessities, you sit down and you do nothing. You don't give your best anymore. I've contented. You know, I've, I'm earning this $5,000 a month. And I, I, I have enough. So I do nothing. I don't think that is what Paul really meant. Some months ago, I wrote an article on the Business Times. I have a monthly column that I contribute to the Business Times. And some months ago, I wrote this article and it's entitled, Achieving Contentment is the Biggest Gain. This is the online version of the Business Times article. And then subsequent to that, I was invited to do a podcast interview with this group of people. Some of you might have heard of them. It's called the Work Salary Man. Anyone heard of a Work, work Salary Man? Yes? I think the, especially the younger generation, thank you for putting out your hands, would have heard of the work salary man. Okay. The work salary man, it means, it means uh, the salary man has awoken. <laughs> you know? and, and many young people listen to the work salary man, they read their comics you know, and all that. And so the two founders of the work salary man, um, Wei Chun and Rui Ming, they invited me for a conversation. And in that interview, the topic on contentment was brought up. And I said, achieving contentment is the biggest gain. The minute I got out of their office and walked down, I regretted. Suddenly, I realized that I wasn't accurate because that is not what the Bible says. The Bible did not say that achieving contentment is the biggest gain. And so if you look at this BT article that I've written, it was also inaccurate. And if I'm quoting the Bible, I'm quoting it totally out of context. Because what does the Bible say? The Bible says, but godliness with contentment is the greatest gain. Not contentment is the greatest gain. 
The formula is godliness plus contentment equal great gain and not contentment alone equal great gain. And so because of this realization, I realized that even as I prepared for this message, I was inaccurate because I only put down two points, the pursuit of money and the pursuit of contentment. So I have to put down the third point to make it complete. And so if you have written your notes, the pursuit of money, the pursuit of contentment, sorry, you may have to go back and add the third point. And that third point is the pursuit of godliness. Now, why is that important to talk about pursuit of godliness? I mean, there are various definitions of godliness. I'm just going to read you one that I've taken. Godliness is the reverent awareness of God's sovereignty over every aspect of life, which includes money, and the attendant determination to honour Him in all one's conduct, and that includes our dealing with money. Godliness includes surrendering the money part, everything in God, but including the money aspect, to God. Why is it important to talk about the pursuit of godliness? Because I come to a realization that without godliness, it is actually very hard to be contented. Contentment is an idea. Even the secular world talks about contentment. But I realize that it is very difficult to be contented without godliness. Because without realizing that money does not belong to us, that money actually belongs to God, we will not be contented. It's difficult to be contented because we will always be thinking that I work hard, it's my effort, and therefore I deserve this. But in godliness, we are saying, no, this money is not ours. It belongs to God. Now, how does the concept come about? Well, one example I can think of would be from a passage in Genesis chapter 2. And some of us will be very familiar with the message. It's the message of the creation on how God created heavens and earth in six days and rested on the seventh day. And in Genesis chapter 2, if I remember correctly, well, we have God not creating the shrubs and the trees yet. And it was stated in the Bible because man wasn't there. And when I first read that passage, it always intrigues me because... I mean, the Almighty God, I mean, He can create heavens and the earth and the galaxies. You mean He cannot create the trees and the grass and the shrubs and the bushes just because men weren't present? It cannot be. With a snap of His finger, He would have caused the trees and the shrubs to grow. But yet, God waited. Why? Because God wanted men to partner Him. God gave us that privilege, that contract to partner Him, to work with Him. But man's job is not to be responsible for the fruits. Man's job, our job, is just to be responsible for the work. So we till the ground, we put in the seed, but it is God that sends the water and the sun for the fruits to grow. So you see, the fruits doesn't come from us. We are just given that partnership. Today, we no longer live in an industrial or in an agricultural environment. Today, our work, many of us, we are not farmers, right? Our work is in the marketplace. We sit in the office. We face the computer. That's tilling the ground. But ultimately, it is God that sends the rain and gives us the fruit in the form of a paycheck. And that fruit 
comes from God. And when we realize that, when we realize that the fruits actually comes from God, we can be contented because we work hard and we get paid and we meet our basic needs. We can be contented. And we've got extra, we've got bonus. We can be grateful. So, how does the pursuit of godliness with money decisions then look like? Because whatever I'm saying right now is still very high level, right? So I thought I'll give us some more examples for us to know how it looks like when we make godly decisions with regard to money. One example would be our daily posture at work. Tomorrow when we go back to work, what is our posture? Well, I think to be godly, our posture must be that when I go to the marketplace I work or whether a marketplace I'm at home as a homemaker, when I do my work, I give my very best because I'm serving the king. And I give thanks for the fruit, which is the income and the bonus that I receive regardless of the amount. I give thanks. Second example or the second decision would be career decisions. Well, in our career decisions, I choose my career not always based on the highest pay, but I ask God, where do you want to put me so that I can best serve you? So money is not the main factor in our decision making. How about spending decisions? Well, in Proverbs, it is said that we can enjoy the wealth that God has given us. But when we enjoy the wealth, we need to remember it is from God. But when we spend, we want to spend below our means. How about saving decisions? Are we all safe? I hope we do. I'm not going to ask how many of us have a budget and how many of us do not have a budget. I hope we do. But in our saving, we should have a budget and we save for rainy days. But we must remember that our security is not in the amount of money that we have in the bank account, but rather in God. Yes, we need to do the work of saving. It doesn't mean that when we depend on God, we don't save, we save, but our security is not found in the amount of money that we have in the bank account. I once talked to someone whom she has a few million dollars in her bank. I'm not kidding you. But she couldn't spend. She said that the minute she sees her bank account goes down, the money goes down, she feels insecure. So you can have a lot of money, you can be a multi-millionaire, but the security is not found in the amount of money that you have. Giving decisions, it is God's money anyway. So in the pursuit of godliness, I will give where and when he asks me to give. Insurance decisions, I'm sure you buy insurance for your families. Well, I think that's important that you need to insure yourself sufficiently. However, our security cannot be found in those insurance policies, in the insurance companies, but in God. And last again, but not least, in your investment decisions. Some of us, we invest our money and we are prudent. The church invests the money. Right? We have an investment committee that looks into investing our money. I think it's important to be a good steward, to invest our money wisely for enough returns. But my needs are not met by the returns. It is God that meets my needs and it is His grace that is sufficient to meet my needs. So I've talked about the pursuit of money and I'm saying that, well, it is not wrong to want to earn more and want to be better off, but heed Paul's warning. And in heeding Paul's warning, besides pursuing money, we also want to pursue, pursue after 
contentment. But I said that it is not enough just to pursue after contentment because without godliness, it's very hard to be contented. And therefore, maybe a better pursuit will be one of godliness. Allow me to conclude this morning's sermon. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 7, it says here, For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. You know, several months ago, I was watching this drama on Netflix and this morning I said, Pastor Kai is the, the, the pastor that gave me permission to watch movies. And he always used movies as an example in his teaching. <laughs> I came to Covenant because of that. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but there was this 40 episodes drama. It's not a K-drama. It's a Chinese drama called Meet Yourself. Okay, the Chinese name is called Chi You Feng Te Di Fang. It's a very simple movie, you know, nothing complicated. But that particular, not movie, that drama, throughout the 40 episodes, there are wisdoms peppered throughout that 40 episodes. And in one of the episodes, there's this very old, very senior lady, very wise lady, and she was talking to two young people. And you know what? She quoted the Bible. She didn't say 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 7, of course. But she said this in Mandarin, for we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. I thought, wow, this is the Christian drama. Hey, surely the pastor, the church will approve. <laughs> but you know what? After she said that, she followed up by a question. She said, okay, for we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. And then she asked that two young people and she said, does that mean you sit down and do nothing? And before that two young people could respond, she gave the answer. She said, of course not. <laughs> Even though that, you know, we don't bring anything and when we leave, we don't have anything, it doesn't mean we sit down and do nothing because sometimes we think like that, right? right? So anyway, we cannot bring everything. You know, we're going to leave everything behind. Ay, why stress ourselves? Relax, don't do anything. But that old lady said, she's not Paul, but that old lady said, no, it doesn't mean you should do nothing. You do your best. But then she said, but whatever the life gives you, accept it, be contented. And I thought, wow, that's wisdom. Not, she didn't quote from the Bible, but I think that's what Paul meant. Yeah, it's not wrong to want to be better, but be aware of the dangers when you chase after money. But it is better to be contented with godliness. Well, there are two groups of people here that I will want to pray for in a short while. The first group of us, like I say, you are not even in the position to... I mean, when you listen to this sermon and you say that, well, Chris, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not even asking for more. I just need a job. I just need to meet my family expenses. I want to tell you that I understand. And I'm not saying it just by paying lip service. I really understand. 25 years ago when I started my business as an entrepreneur, it was tough, and many of us who are entrepreneurs would know. Business is not good. I have no income. At one point, when I was at Cathay Cine Leisure drawing out money, after drawing out money, the thermal slip came out. In a, 25 years ago, they still used the thermal paper for receipt. It came out, and I had only $21.59 left in my account. I was married. I've got children to take care of, but I've only left with $21.59. This passage here won't mean much to me at that point in time. 
what be contented. Lord, I don't even have money. I only have $21.59. And if you belong to this group, I want to assure you that God will provide. I don't know how He's going to provide, but He will provide. And I know from my own experience that it is true that His grace is sufficient for me. From now until then, I never went hungry. But as a second group of us, we have access and we are earning good income and some of us, we are really wealthy. And I want to pray for all of us that even as we earn more, that we can avoid the traps of what Paul has said, not fall into temptation and we learn to be not just contented but godly. So even as the worship team prepares to lead us in the response song, please allow me to pray for all of us. Bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you belong to those groups that you are facing some challenges, I'm not asking to lift up your hands, but you may open up your palms and you pray with me. Dear Lord Jesus, you know all of our needs. You know that there are some of us today who are facing financial challenges. Some of us have lost our jobs and some of us are just not earning enough to meet our expenses. You know our situations, Lord. Lord, I just want to pray for my brothers and sisters who are facing these challenges right now. Provide them with work. Let them earn enough to meet their needs, to take care of their children, their parents and their families. But Lord, take care of them. Take care of them because they are probably going through that stress, that worry, let them know that you are Jehovah Jireh, their provider, and that you will not only provide for them, but your grace, Lord, will be sufficient for them. For the rest of us who have jobs and we earn enough, or even more than enough, we have access. Lord, we thank you for giving us more than what we need. But Lord, we pray for forgiveness. For the many times, Lord, when we love money more than we love you, we make our decisions based on money. We find our security in money. We look at money as the source of power. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for allowing money to replace you in our lives. Help us Lord, from now on to pursue godliness with contentment in our daily money decisions. We thank you, Lord, and we pray and ask all these things in Jesus' name. The closing song or the response song this morning is a song that we all sang earlier on. It's called My Worth Is Not In What I Own. I personally find the words to be very meaningful and even as Ben and the team lead us in this song, I hope the words will speak to our hearts in the money decisions that we make in our lives. Thank you. Bye. 
let's rise and let's respond with this song. I rejoice in my Redeemer, greatest treasure, wellspring of my soul. And I will trust in Him, no other, my soul is satisfied in Him. satisfied in you alone father this morning we come and we are reminded from the scriptures thank you for your servant chris who reminds us it's not our money in your hands it is your money your life that you've placed in our hands to steward lord that's what godliness means lord we recognize who's given and whose we are so today lord would you refocus and center us back on not money, but on the one who gives it to us. 
So we center on our Lord who loves and freely, freely gives. In Jesus' name we pray. We're glad you had spent some time listening to God's Word and we hope that the message has ministered to you. You can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.